Hi, this is Steve Kelly. Thanks for tuning in for the podcast of this week's Saturday Sports Talk program with Lauren Tate and myself. And a special thanks to the folks at Kirby Wealth Management Group for their sponsorship of the podcast. We hope you enjoy Saturday Sports Talk. When it comes to financial planning, most financial companies focus on your income. At Kirby Wealth Management Group, we focus on your outcome. That's why we know what it takes to succeed both on your balance sheet and in your life. It takes the right financial partner who looks at where you are now, where you want to go, and designs a financial plan to take you there. We're here to help you achieve the life that you're after, today and every day after. Focus on your financial outcome with Kirby Wealth Management Group. To get started, visit our website at justin-kirby.com. It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS Champaign-Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area and national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Now, here are your hosts. Lauren Tate, and Steve Kelly. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the show. The Lili Pella Saturday Sports Talk with you until 11 o'clock today. Mr. Tate is in the house. The phone line is open, 217-356-9397. Lots to talk about. Baseball, college baseball, Major League Baseball, softball, golf. Pretty good. You get up for the show, don't you? I get up when I see you. <laughs> Makes my day. Well, I'm, I'm I, hanging I, in there. I know you got a little bit of a cold, so we're going to get through it. I don't know if it's a cold or if it's allergies or both. Or maybe you're allergic. I'm just to, getting old. Maybe you're allergic to that golf ball. <laughs> maybe I'm allergic to you. You think about well, that? No, you 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 already had a problem before I got here. It can't be me. <laughs> <laughs> well. I'm talking about over time. Now. Oh, well, that would, yeah, that would do it. <laughs> 40 years of uh, knowing and working with Lauren Tate. I feel for you. Finally got the wheels coming off for me. Mm. Uh, Illinois baseball last night put up a 19 spot. Wasn't that something? 19 it, runs on 19 hits. Five home runs, and two of the home runs were by subs that very seldom get in the games. It's amazing. And this was a big series. I mean, it is a big series. They got a doubleheader today at 2 and 7 o'clock, and uh, – you know, I expected a heck of a game, and that that pitcher is supposed to be sensational. And Sarver hit a per, hit a second inning home run, and they, they just uh, got the Illini rolling. Illinois is eleven and two in the Big Ten. Yeah, I know. It's a, it's amazing because they're. What does that tell you? Well, I, it tells you the Big Ten's not very good because they keep losing the midweek games. Right, and the non conference games earlier in the season too but remember yeah that's true but early in the season's not fair i mean you're playing down south against teams that are, are you know that have had good weather and and illinois goes down there without any you know real opportunity to, to get ready for those games but i would say that the, the starting pitching uh Kershaw was terrific yesterday i mean really good and uh, they took him out after six innings or was it five five or six innings? I can't remember now, but uh, they took him out, and so he'll be ready to go again next weekend. And, and uh, the Illini are certainly in the, in the chase for the Big Ten championship. Illinois softball wins again. They're 11-3 and three in the Big Ten, 4-2 mm-hmm. over Iowa, Major League Baseball. Well, before you get off, did you see what Sickles did? 
She came in the game in the sixth inning in relief, the 4-2 ball game, two runners on, two out in the sixth inning. She struck out that batter. She struck out all three batters in the seventh inning to, to clinch the game, to get the save. And she is now, let me get this right, 27 and two-thirds consecutive scoreless innings. Unbelievable. That's pretty good, isn't it? Oh, my goodness. That'll be – just think – 28 would be four games, four right. complete games. She's at 27-plus. Illinois won it in softball 4-2. to two. The Cardinals beat Cincinnati 4-2. to two. Pirates over the Cubs 4-2. to two. And the White Sox lost to the Twins 2-1. to one. More on that later. The Illinois spring game was uh, Thursday night at uh, Memorial Stadium. The orange and blue game for Brett Bielma's team. 9-9-1. The, <laughs> the Illini won the scoring. was a little bit... Uh, Goofed up, but uh, yeah, they won the first team against uh, the second team, and it was announced on uh, Thursday night that uh, there's a new scholarship uh, in the name of Tim McCarthy that will be given to a walk-on. It was given to Michael Marques this year, and Tim McCarthy, a former Secret Service agent and a graduate of the, the University of Illinois, was a walk-on football player himself, and he's on the line with us this morning. Tim, good morning. This is Steve Kelly and Lauren Tate. How are you, sir? Good morning, guys. How are you today? Good. How was it getting back to town the other night? It looked like you had a good time. Oh, it was wonderful. <laughs> you know, it's always great to get down there. Uh, it was a beautiful evening, and I was uh, just highly honored that uh, that they did this in my name. And uh, so I think Coach Bielema, had, as a former walk-on, might have had a little bit to do with it, too. Yeah, that, that's kind of a neat connection, though, that uh, – that he was a former walk-on, you were a former walk-on. It, it kind of fit, didn't it? Yeah, it did. He called me uh, uh, several days before it happened, and uh, I don't get many coach, uh, calls from Coach Bielema, and we talked for about 15 minutes and a real nice conversation about football, him moving into town and that type of thing. But I was curious what the call was really about, and uh, <laughs> he finally got to it and told me what it was all about, and I, I couldn't be more honored and humbled, to tell you the truth, that uh, that the university uh, – uh, decided to do this. Well, Tim, this is Lauren. Did you get a chance to meet Mike Marquez? Oh, I did. Yes, I did. And uh, a real nice young man, uh, certainly an asset to Illinois football. He's, uh, as Josh Whitman said, he's kind of a utility guy. You know, he played linebacker for a while, he tight end, H-back. Uh, he, the kid can do it all. Well, uh, did you see anything uh, about the, the, the scrimmage that would give you any encouragement about the team this year? Well, I think that they, there's more depth uh, on the team. Uh, I hope we get more consistent play at quarterback because I think with uh, simply more consistent play at quarterback, we could have won uh, two or three more games, a Maryland game, a Rutgers game, a Purdue game. Yeah. So I think there's more. There's some big holes to fill, too. I mean, Owen Carney and, uh, and Isaiah Gay are pretty good. The offensive line lost a couple of uh, stalwarts. So there's work to be done, but I, I think uh, he's developing depth and I think that'll serve us well as we go forward. Well, you seem to be uh, following the team pretty closely up there. And, and you live uh, in the suburbs of Chicago. Yeah, I live live in Orland Park, Lauren. But you know, I've got season tickets, so I make the games and uh, always make at least one away game. Went to Virginia last year. Uh, we'll make Indiana and Wisconsin this year. I'm pretty sure as away games. So uh, I follow pretty close nowadays. Talking to Tim McCarthy. Take us back to. Uh, 1981, everybody wants to, to know more about that, when you took a bullet for Ronald Reagan. Am I right? Did I read that you were supposed to be off that day? Well, actually, I, 
I wasn't supposed to be off that day, but um, a certain number of people travel with the president uh, everywhere he goes, a certain number of agents, and there's an advanced team that does a lot of work setting up the security ahead of time. But what it came down to actually was we had one extra agent, and the only travel in the in the limo and the follow-up car with a certain number of agents, and we had one extra. We were both briefed up, you know, on the intelligence and all the movements of the president where we we're going to be. So we had one extra. We we're both the rank of, say, basically sergeant. We flipped the coin uh, <laughs> just before going, and uh, the other kid wanted. He goes, "I'll stay back and run the radios and so forth," uh-huh. and I went. So. Uh, 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 that's that's a little bit of history, I guess. Well, Tim, have you had any long-term uh, repercussions from the bullet? Oh, outside of surgical scars, absolutely nothing at all. Is that right? Uh, long, t- completely recovered uh, in about uh, about three months. I was back on the presidential detail, uh, and you know, served ultimately served twenty-two years in the Secret Service and eight years on presidential protection. So, no, uh, no, no long-lasting effects whatsoever. Okay, well, great. Uh, what do you th- what do you think about Tim when you're in the shower and you look and see that and you think, wow, that could have been a lot worse. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, if that bullet was uh, another inch away, it would have uh, it would have been a, a much worse day than it was. But uh, I'm thankful to, that I survived every day. I don't really think about it much though, you know, until events surrounding it come up from time to time. Uh, but every time I do, I'm very thankful that I that I survived. And I'm also thankful. You know, that the president survived because the role of the Secret Service is to ensure that, you know, history has not changed uh, for a president by by the lone gunman or an assassin. So this, the significance was that President Ronald Reagan served out both two terms. And that was the real significance that uh, in spite of the fact the president was shot. So that wasn't good. But he did survive and served out his two terms. Uh, as president, and we don't want our presidents removed from office any other way than at the ballot box or, you know, sometime uh, by impeachment. But uh, that's the real significance of it. How did you get uh, interested in doing, uh, getting into Secret Service work? Well, my dad was a sergeant in the Chicago Police Department, and in spite of the fact that my degree was in finance, and I did interview with companies like uh, Caterpillar and International Harvester and so on, but I'd also taken the test for the Secret Service and interviewed with the FBI uh, since I had a natural interest in law enforcement. And the uh, Secret Service offered me a job first. And as you know, getting out of college, you're looking for that first job. So little did I know where it was going to take me. And, uh, you know, living in Washington for eight years, and I bet I traveled around the world uh, 20 times with both President Carter, President Reagan, and President Bush. Uh, it was a wonderful experience. Um, it's tough on the family, I'll tell you that, because you're gone for extended periods of time. But it was uh, uh, both myself and my family saw and did things that, uh, you know, most most people will never never do or never see. You know, Air Force One, Marine One, having an office at the White House, things of that nature. So it was a wonderful experience, but uh, it's, a, it's a tough job. It's a tough job. Did you serve as a police chief then after that? Yeah, for 26 years uh, in Orland Park, uh, retired from that about a year ago, uh, and that was a wonderful experience, too, because if you, you really like to help people, being a chief of police gives you the opportunity uh, to really do that, and uh, uh, the average career of a chief of police is about three to five years. It's a pretty volatile profession, and uh, I stayed for 26 years and retired on my own terms. Uh, well, I, I retired when my wife finally told me to retire. <laughs> <laughs> 
could be more accurate. <laughs> well, I, I know your answer to this. Is, what do you think about the idea of defunding the police? That seemed to be the big deal a year ago, and now we're, I think we're paying the price for it. Well, it's ridiculous. Uh, it's a ridiculous notion. We can always spend our money more efficiently. There's no question about that. But uh, in many towns, you know, it's not only been defund the police, but uh, the prosecutors in some of our counties and major cities uh, have taken a different view on what's to be prosecuted. They, they, their view on violent crime is uh, uh, the victims don't count as much as they should. And we're more worried about the offender than we are the victim. And it's, uh, the police are, are still arresting, but they're back out on bond with these new theories of no cash bail. Violent people, and I don't want to get into the politics, but violent people who harm other people should be in jail, not on the street. Well, Tim, let me just say that it was fun uh, standing down on the sideline with you there for a quarter and watching the game with you on uh, Thursday night, and uh, we wish you all the best. Well, same to you guys, uh, Lauren. Keep keep it up. You're a very young man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Tim, thanks for your time. Good to talk to you. You bet. Take care, guys. You bet. That's Tim McCarthy, everybody. You could call him a hero, couldn't you? Oh, yeah. Go down, I think American so. hero. The ultimate hero. I mean, if you see the picture of me, he dove in front. Yeah, he did. <laughs> it took a little courage to do that. Yeah, they were putting him in the car when he, he uh, jumped in front. It is 9-12, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. If you'd like to join us, 217-356-9397. Our uh, text line is open as well. If you uh, want to jump in on that as well, 217-351-5357. We've got some texts. We'll get to those. And we'll talk some more about the Illinois spring football game. We've got basketball conversation coming up as well. Stay with us. We'll take our first time out and be back with more on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. Mike Mary and his team at the Pella Window and Door Store want to thank you for what's been an incredible year so far. Looking for the right window and door for your next project from replacement, remodeling, or new construction? Go see them now. If you got a project later this year or into 2022, now is the time to start the conversation. The Pella Window and Door Store, easy to find, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign, or visit them online PellaofChampagne.com. Yeah, that's a doubleheader today, starting at 2 o'clock. Game, uh, was, the second game was originally scheduled to be played tomorrow, but apparently some thunderstorms might hit the area tomorrow, Lauren. Yeah, and it is a doubleheader, except that they're separated right. at, at 2 o'clock and 7 o'clock. So you can come to the game, go out and get something to eat, and come back. There you go. 9-16, let's talk more Illinois spring game. My friend... Number 47 is on the line with us. Not not the 47th friend that we have. but <laughs> We don't have that many. <laughs> he, wore, he wore number 47 at Illinois. Jay Lehman is with us. Hey, Jay, good morning. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, Lauren. How are we doing? Good. Wanted to get your thoughts on the uh, spring game the other night. And spring games are kind of vanilla normally. but And I think that was the case in this one as well. But uh, what did you take away from it? Well, I thought the, the the offense looked quite a bit different than what we saw last year under Tony Peterson. I think we saw first we saw a lot more shotgun. Um, we saw a lot more emphasis, at least on passing, than what we saw uh, prior. Uh, I think it's easy when there's no pass rush. So I'll, I'll, you know, Tommy DeVito played well, but you know it's easy if nobody's putting pressure on you, you can't be hit. So I think there, there's a lot of questions to be answered there. And I think some of the best guys offensively and defensively weren't on the field. 
which is not uncommon in spring ball. But uh, I, I think Ryan Walters' group, too, defensively has a chance to be, you know, pretty good, if not as good, maybe better than last year. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited about that possibility. And going against the uh, second-team uh, defense, you don't learn necessarily a whole lot, but it looks like the ground game is truly going to be the strength of this team with Chase Brown and Josh McCray and some of those guys uh, coming back and a couple of freshmen that uh, may play a role there. So it looks like that's the strength of the, of the offense at least. I would say, yeah. You know, I think they've done a good job of going out and getting, uh, I call him Chrysler Town & Country. He's I Chrysler because <laughs> he's so big. You know, like the Chrysler Town & Country minivan, right? I mean, uh, he's down from 420, I guess, to 6'6", 360. But Chrysler and Adams are going to play. Pilstrom's looks like he's made the switch to um, center. Kalczewski, I think, will be healthy. Pearl was out, but I think Pearl's a future NFL player. So I think they're going to shore up the offensive line, which I think if you said last year, hey, that's going to be a big hole coming back. Um, Chase Brown is, is, is a legit all Big Ten back, I think, in, in the right system. Uh, the games he didn't do well, they just, you know, Iowa, Wisconsin, they just stacked the boxes and couldn't throw the football. If we can throw the football, he's a legit all Big Ten back. I think McCray's a great uh, change of pace. I was really impressed by the looks of Jordan Anderson being mm. 6'4", 240 on a, a Juliet Catholic. I mean, he, he kind of reminds you of an old uh, Brett Bielma back that I played against. You know, I played against P.J. Hill. There was John Clay. There was a little bit after my time, Monte Ball. I mean, he has that big kind of build. And I, and I heard, uh, you know, from some of the coaches that, that the Gibson City product, Aiden Lawfrey, uh might see the field this year just because he has some real change of pace, his good complement to those other guys. So I think it's a deep running back room. I do think um, that'll be their bread and butter and controlling the clock and shorten the game. But it comes down to also – can DeVito run the ball out of the quarterback position? They're in the shotgun a lot more. That opens up quarterback run. We saw none of that, I think, on purpose this game. But I do believe we'll see, you know, five to eight quarterback runs a game to also help out in the run game. Uh, did you take a gander at the, at the linebackers at Barnes? And Barnes looks like a pretty good player to me. I don't know what you think. I'm, and uh, They've got Hart back from last year. He only played one game, but he was sensational in that game. What did you think about the linebacking uh, Thursday? Yeah, a great question. I think Tariq, Tariq Barnes, you know, was a good find by, you know, Miles Smith, uh, the linebacker coach. Brought him, I think, out of out of Memphis, I think, or Tennessee, and and they they brought him up. And I think Barnes has always kind of played ahead of schedule. So I think Barnes is going to be a good football player. Calvin Hart was defensive player of the week the one week he played against Nebraska and if he's healthy which it seems to be I think they I think the whole core of that defense is pretty solid I think they're they're going to be really solid with you know I think Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph can be all Big Ten football players I'm not sure where Virtus Brown is in that mix he's Mm -hmm. starting nose tackle right now he's a very wide body at 340 you know, your linebackers are really only good as the guys that play in front of them. And I think finally we've got some legitimate Big Ten tackles. And then, uh, you know, behind them you got Sidney Brown. So I think um, at strong safety he kind of does a little bit of everything. But the core of the defense is really strong. I think you get question marks on the outside with the outside linebackers and also on the corners outside of who's opposite of Witherspoon. Yeah, I, I would I would think that uh, – uh, I thought uh, Coughlin looked pretty good at the one defensive end. And I – 
I, I know they're hoping that Holmes has got the size and athleticism. He doesn't have the experience, of course, that Carney and, and Gay had. But I, you call those outside linebackers. No, I call them defensive ends. Well, you know, it's it's this and that. I mean, a 3-4 is actually a 5-2, a really. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's, you know, so it, it goes back and forth. You know, they called Simeon Rice an outside linebacker here and tried to make us linebacker you with Kevin Hardy and Dana Howard, who were actually legitimate linebackers in Holosec. But well, I think we all think that Simeon Rice, although he was a quote-unquote outside strong linebacker, he was really a defensive end, right? And well, it's kind yeah, of the he, same defense. He was rushing most of the time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't dropping back and pass. I mean, if he's going to be your sack leader, so um, I think Seth Coleman has the body to do. I think Zeke Holmes. I, I'm. I'm. I was impressed as a young guy for uh, Malachi Hood. Played, made some plays. I think Malachi Hood's going to be solid. They said Beatty's going to be solid. Gained a lot of weight. Didn't have much of a spring. Has got hurt the first practice. Uh, you know, so I think all those guys will have a chance to be, you know, solid. Uh, and the younger guys, I don't think, will play much this year, but but could play later on. Talking to Jay Lehman, it takes time to um, turn a football team, no doubt about it, but is this looking more and more like a, a Big Ten football team that can challenge for the West Division? I think the West Division, uh, I, I think everybody in the West is glad they're not in the East. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 you better get after it pretty soon because they're talking about changing exactly. that. Exactly. That scares me. What do you think about the West Division? Well, I think it's very winnable, right? If we look at the Power Five divisions out there, I mean, you'd probably want to be in the Big Ten West. I mean, um, first and foremost, I think it starts in state. I think Northwestern is down, and they lost some big players, you know, uh, to the transfer portal. We have Brandon Joseph, you know, their their All American safety as a freshman, you know, played last year, but then he transferred to Notre Dame, hmm. and so they've lost some players. They have yet to figure out the quarterback situation there. And although they've won two of the last four division titles, or maybe two of the last five, they've, it was, it, they, they seem to be trending downward. And so I think that's a, you know, obviously a boon to, to Brett Bielema and his staff is if your rival in in-state who's kind of beat up on you the last decade or so is down, I think it starts with that. Um, and then I think also – there's some confidence going into, I mean, really, uh, they, they beat Nebraska last year. They beat a ranked Minnesota team at the time. But but it, it's always in the Big Ten West really going to go through Iowa and Wisconsin. And we just got out physical a little bit in those games, especially Wisconsin, right, without being able to throw the football. And so I think to take the next leap, we've got to get there. We've got to also finish games. You know, we couldn't finish at Purdue. Uh, and part of that was just the passing game. We just we just couldn't get a third down conversion late in that game. Um, and also, I do think remember the games, the crossover games count the same, right? Yeah. Yep. And so getting Penn State switched for Indiana, although we beat Penn State last year, I think is also a boon to it. And, yeah, that that uh, second game was at Indiana. That's a big game for Illinois next year. A huge game. I think it's on a Friday night. Yep. And Indiana was way down last year after that special year they had, you know, two years right. prior. Um, so, I, you know, I don't know where Indiana's going to be in regard to stuff. Now, they were they had a ton of injuries and whatnot, but everybody had injuries last year. So, I, I'm, I'm very interested to see where this football team is. You know, I read Lawrence Callum 
always try to read Lauren's column in the paper. <laughs> and I, uh, you know, it sounded like you, Lauren, you were, you, you thought there'd be a, there would be a, a, a little bit of a drop off. Yeah. Didn't you think so a year ago? I, I, I totally thought so, you know, but I do, I would, I was in agreement with that, but I'm also in agreement with what you said where maybe we over exaggerated that because I feel like they've done a good job of filling some really critical holes, you know, whether it be offensive line uh, or quarterback, uh, you know, with the defense, with a def- if you have a defense, you're in every game. Now you guys have watched a lot of football, right? Uh, over the years, I mean, there were some games. Although you, you don't, maybe you don't have tremendous records in the early '90s, but because of that defense, they were in. This when I was growing up, they were in a lot of games, right? I mean, just this right there, they couldn't score much, you know. But when Illinois had solid defense, they've been able to be competitive. So I think if the defense can continue to be the same or better, Illinois is going to be right there in games. Just kind of come down to the fourth quarter. It's been so long since we've had a defense that keeps us in games. I think that's the differentiating factor as we go into this year. Well, uh, I'll tell you, Jay. Uh, I wrote a column about all the mistakes that I made in analyzing things, and it, it went over so well. I'm, I'm writing another one Sunday. <laughs> he's writing. He's writing a book now. <laughs> and all my all my misconceptions. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's funny because people love to see a, the, the mighty giants eat humble pie. Right? It's, even be, it, it, it's even better with the dean of Ben's Big Ten sports writers has to say I was wrong. You know, people love to see guys just get it wrong, right? But it, it's good. To, it's good to say you were wrong on your terms. Right? Well, yeah. Well, maybe I'll here. just do that every day, every 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 column. This is where I was wrong. Well, yeah. At least you got an opinion. You don't. You don't him and haw. So I mean, um, it, it is. It is. It is what it is. And I do think that Brett has a feeling of building the program. I, I give him a lot of credit, and Josh Whitman a lot of credit for just saying on the coordinator space one, to extend Ryan Walters, who I think will be a head coach sooner than later, and also to make a switch at Tony uh, with Tony Peterson for Barry Lenny Jr. to say, hey, whoa, we can run the ball, but it's not going to get us to where we need to to win a Big Ten West title. So. I give up, and I know that took money. I know that took buyout. I know it took a, you know a big risk, but I think it will pay off long term for the Illini. Hey Jay, we'll let you go with this. Um, today's the last practice of spring ball. How are the guys feeling today when that gets over with? Oh man, they're so excited. I mean, <laughs> spring ball guys is just a grind. I mean, you just hit against your guys. You hit against everybody, your own teammates for 15 practices, and I know it was way worse back in the day when those guys used to play for, you know, six, seven weeks and practice five days a week. But it, it's just a grind. These guys are so happy to be done. Uh, I think it's a lighter practice today, so they're probably most through, through, through everything. But uh, spring ball is all the work and none of the payoff, right? It's not even like camp because at the end of fall camp, you at least get to go into game week. So uh, th- those guys are excited to be done, I'll tell you that much. Hey, you got some kids to coach out there. Let's get after it. Yeah, man, come on out to the uh, Stevens Family YMCA. You can watch some, <laughs> some flag football. You know, uh, if you guys are scratching for some more football action at the spring <laughs> game, we, we've got a couple plays in there. we got reverse and fake reverse and sweep, so come on out. All right. Appreciate it, Jay. Good to talk to you. See you guys. Yep. Bye-bye. That's Jay Lehman at 928 on Illini Pillow Saturday Sports Talk. A break, and we'll be back uh, after this to talk some basketball. Stay with us. Phone line open, 217-356-9397. It is 931. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. 
Love to hear from you. What's on your mind? You want to talk baseball, basketball? Everybody wants to talk about Kofi's decision, even though it wasn't uh, a big surprise uh, coming this week that uh, he took the route that he is taking. The uh, Whatever shock came with that is off, and the reality is set in. This Illinois basketball team is going to look different. Sure is, and he had made up his mind more than a month, maybe maybe all year he'd made up his mind that he was going to go pro. We didn't know that. I didn't know that. I thought he might, based on, I knew that what was happening uh, in general with the uh, people who were trying to raise money for him for, on NIL, and I know it would have been a large amount had he been, had he been willing to stay, but um, he had let people know that he wasn't coming back, and um, it, it began to creep out at, toward the end, and by, that, by the time he announced, I knew he wasn't coming back, but I, I just think that he there's there's all kinds of uh, there's several people comments about the fact he didn't want to go to school anymore, and I know he he's going to miss Scarbello and and uh, Frazier, uh, you know who were going to be the guys passing him the ball. He's going to have to be with a brand new team next year. There were a lot of factors involved, and and uh, you know and and I think he feels like he can. Why can't he? Why can't I play in the NBA? I'm the best player in America, in, in the you know among the best. Uh, and and among the five best, according to the All America listings, why can't I play? And I've got no problem with somebody betting on themselves. Yeah, and yeah. he he That's knew what, what he knew what was available here. Mm-hmm. And now was he getting great advice from everybody? We can't judge that. We don't know that. Now, do we know that he didn't want to go to school? Well, that's that's probably right, but he's never said that. No, no, uh, no, he hadn't said it. Some people have said it about him, but right. Uh, <laughs> well, some people say a lot of things about that's it, right. about other people, and they have no clue what they're talking about. Well, that's but right. uh, but but if a guy like that wants to come back, you certainly take him back. And well, they were they were making every effort to to get him to come back, and even all starting to make arrangements to try to make him come back for two more years. Right, which would have been you know he was broken every record ever imaginable. Here's my only uh, thought about it, the thing that swayed me into thinking he might want to come back, and that's walking out on that court and playing in front of packed houses and being the center of attention in those situations. Uh, boy, that's, that'd be awful hard for me to turn down because if he winds up going to the, to the NBA, he's not going to be starting. We know that. And he's probably not going to be drafted, and he's probably going to wind up in the G League, and that's no fun to play in that league. It's a... It's a individualized league where the guys are everybody's out for themselves and they don't have good crowds and you you know you don't even know who you're playing for let's see what trent meacham thinks about that good morning trent how are you hey good morning guys i'm doing well how are we doing good we're talking about kofi as uh, most people in central illinois and the state of illinois have been uh, over the last few days uh, your thoughts I, I don't think it surprised anybody with his decision to uh, to throw his hat into the nba uh, draft again Give us your take on it. Oh, my take is there's so many different angles to these decisions. I think it's easy to look at it from one one lane, and there's a lot that goes into it. I don't know Kofi's personal situation. You know, I heard he had some big money on the table. And there's probably better guarantee of him getting that, whatever it was, multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not more. He probably had more of a guarantee with that through NIL than whatever he's going to, is going to come his way with professional basketball. But that being said, the goal isn't to capitalize on NIL. It's, it's to 
grow as a basketball player, become a pro, become an NBA player. And uh, Kofi's such an interesting uh, player. It's so intriguing because 20 years ago, he's probably a first-round pick, if not a lottery pick, and now you don't know if he's going to play in the NBA at all. Uh, I think he's got the potential to. I think he's got, he, he does some things that's, that are very unique. You look at there are still some big men in the NBA, but I think he really has to improve in some areas. And, look, I don't, he doesn't need to shoot threes, but he's got to be able to make plays. If you're a center in the NBA, yes, you've got to be able to get out and move your feet and defend pick and rolls and to switch on guards in, mo- in moments. But you have to be able to, to be a playmaker and a facilitator as a five-man. When you watch the amount of ball screens that they run in the NBA, that five-man finds themselves with the ball at the free throw line um, in ball reversals at the top of the key, and they got to be able to make quick decisions, put the ball on the floor, one or two dribbles, hit the weak side, develop a floater. And right now, Kofi's really weak in, in some of those facilitating, playmaking making reads, he's very weak in that. He's got to really improve. Uh, but he's such a physical presence that he's got a chance. It's, it's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting to see how he continues to develop um, and if he can crack an NBA lineup and have an Im- impact on an NBA floor. But this next year will be interesting. It's, uh, you know, I understand his decision. Of course, I would have loved to see him come back. But uh, I understand it, and it's going to be interesting to watch him continue his career. Uh, as you analyze this uh, for him, let's say he is not drafted among the 58 players who will be drafted. Uh, what are, what will be his opportunities then in the summer to make a, a squad? Well, I, I would expect him to be on a summer league team regardless say he's not drafted. Mm-hmm. I would expect him to play in the summer league, and I would expect him, you know, he, he's going to show some things, um, I think, just because of his his – uh, his size, his force, his explosiveness, he'll, he'll have a factor. Um, it's a matter of how poor is he in his deficiencies and how does he get exposed and, or is he able to show, hey, he can do some things and he's not that much of a liability on the defensive end in certain situations or um, offensively and if you can't just throw it to him in the post. Um, so he'll have opportunities in the summer league, I would expect, and I think – He'll have opportunities in a training camp or in the G League, and um, and and I think it's just a matter of him can he can he impact you know the, the the thing with the whole thing with basketball can you impact the game can you bring value to your team and and not be exposed and not be a a detriment but can you bring value and he's going to have opportunities I think summer league uh, whether it's a G League and he's still you know a young player but he's going to have to improve in some areas and show that he can, that he can really impact the game. I think a tough, a tough thing, too, for some guys is when you're in college, you're kind of look, – look, these guys put in the work, but you're kind of handheld. They hold your hand through everything and, and schedules and your reps in the weight room. And when you become a pro, look, you've got coaches there, you've got great people working with you, but you're a little bit – um, the accountability falls on you a bit more. So um, he, he's shown he's had a good work ethic in, t- in terms of how he's transformed his body, but it's going to be a little bit more on his shoulders. And does he continue to uh, improve his body and improve where he's deficient in, where he's weaker in, 
Um, and I would expect, you know, I would expect to see him in the G League. Maybe, maybe he gets some, um, some opportunities, you know, going back and forth. I, I, I don't know. Um, I would not expect to see him overseas this next year, uh, partly because I don't care how good of a college player you are, you're, 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 you're typically not going to have great um, in terms of lucrative opportunities as a rookie. It just doesn't happen. Uh, most foreign clubs really do not like rookies, and they want you to prove yourself as a, as a pro uh, a little bit more. Um, I mean, he could play somewhere, just I don't think it'd be the best opportunity. So I would expect to see him in the States and, um, and, and probably in the G League. But he's going to have opportunities. And like I said, sometimes it's just uh, it's capitalizing on those, on those opportunities, and sometimes it's find yourself in the right situation that's a good fit, that fits your style of play, and, and um, that you can – you know, make a better case for you um, in some cases a player like Kofi than, than on other teams. So, uh, yeah, I'm, it'll, it'll be fun to, to watch him continue to grow. Well, Trent, I'm going to switch you over to uh, to the Illini team and, and what's coming back. What do you know about Dane Danger? Uh, I met him at church a couple weeks ago. <laughs> okay. Uh, but – I don't know too much about him. I, I do know I've I've heard some really good things from uh, people in the know about him that are high on him. He's gonna. I tell you, this entire team's gonna give you a very different look without Kofi there because he just you, you you cater you you run so many things to cater to his style of play, and it's, this team's gonna look different. and And I think Dane Danger is gonna be a big focal point. Uh, just seeing some film on him, I haven't been able to see him practice this past year, but this is a, 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 a kid that's skilled and I think is going to give, give this team something different than I'm trying to think. I don't know if we've had from a center position, a guy that uh, I, I think will be able to put the ball on the floor, can make reads, can make passes. Um, that's very, very skilled. I think he's got a high, high ceiling. So he's probably the guy I'm, I'm most excited to watch that I don't know much about. I know we have these young guards coming in, but, I think this is a Dane is a is a guy that's just a unique player. Kofi was a very unique player in today's day and age, and in in a very different way, Dane Danger is going to be very unique. So um, it'll be fun to watch what his game brings to the table, but and also how Brad Underwood, you know, runs an offense with a very very different looking center, and I think a guy that you can that can be a playmaker. So. Uh, that's about all I know, but I, I, I do know I'm really excited to see what he can do and how this team looks with in, in being a very different-looking team top to bottom and, and really starting from that center position. You know, you watch uh, – I'm not saying he's Nikola Jokic, uh, but it's, it's fun when you can see a team do some different things because of the skill level from a big man. Well, I, I want to ask you one other question since you bring that up. Is there such a thing as a mid-range game in college now? I, I <laughs> well, I, I think you need to be able to score at all three levels. Of course, you know three pointer being worth fifty percent more, and the analytics will show you the you know the ability you know to get to the rim and finish and get to the free throw line. Those are that's what you want. You want open threes. You want at the rim. You want to draw fouls. But you do got to be able to score from the mid range. Uh, I believe you watch the NBA playoffs and and, and guys do that. When you play against really tough defenses, they're going to run you off the three-point line. They, they will likely have shot blockers inside. So can you make plays there in the mid-range? Um, so I, I don't think the mid-range is dead. I think 
especially when the, the, the defense steps up, that's sometimes where the sweet spot is. You know, as a defense, you got to give up something, you know, and, and typically that's what they're allowing. Even uh, you saw teams expose Illinois. Illinois, we, we traditionally in the past few years with Kofi, we played a drop coverage in ball screen situations. So uh, Trent Frazier, if he's pressuring the perimeter, that, that three is going to be hard to get off of. But if you come off that ball screen clean, uh, do you want to challenge Kofi at the rim, or you got that sweet spot right there in, in the mid-range? And you saw the Houston guards do that. You, you, you saw that happen. So it's, it's not dead. I think uh, the best players are still utilizing that, um, whether that's in the NBA or college. Something else that's not dead is the transfer portal. <laughs> and that, uh, that number is up over 1,500 now. You're and talking to a transfer, you know. I understand that. <laughs> and uh, I'm talking to a transfer who was not in the portal. I'm talking to a guy that probably could have done okay on NIL as well if, uh, if uh, his timing was a little better. But uh, what are your thoughts on the transfer portal? Brad Underwood's out this weekend trying to find guys to, to add to his team out of there. I'm glad I'm not coaching in college basketball. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah. um, here, here's what I think. I, I think it's it's not all bad. I think there's some really good things about it. I think for decades the coaches, the universities had all the power, and that was not all good. And they could run kids off, and you didn't hear one thing about it. If a kid didn't fit their style, if a kid wasn't this, if a kid wasn't good enough hey, son, you're never going to play here. And kids transferred with and had to sit out a year. And, you know, coaches, they, they switch teams, and there's, there's, they don't have to wait a year. So in many ways, I think it's, it's fair. It's the right thing. Look, there's over 1,500 kids in. 90% of them, I'd guess, should probably be, would, would be better off staying put. So I'll say that as well. And are, are too many kids running from adversity or – don't have the patience or don't want to persevere right where they're at. I would agree with that a hundred percent. I don't know what the solution is. Um, I do know, you know, we're upset and fans are upset when a kid leaves, but you're also thrilled when you get a really good transfer. You know, we were just talking about Dane Danger. I'm excited about him. You know, it goes both ways. Um, I also think, you know, I got a lot of thoughts on this. <laughs> I think this, it, 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 um, it, it, is causing coaches to be a bit more accountable as well, which is a good thing. You know, you, you, you can save things in a recruiting process and is it different when the kid gets on campus? And I think that's, that's happened, you know, so many times over the years and now coaches need to be a little bit more accountable. Um, doesn't mean they, they're going to stop all transfers. Doesn't mean this is all good, but I think there are some really good things about it. And it's a complicated situation. I, I just think I think college college athletics is changing. I think what it look what it's going to look like in three to five years is going to be very different. When you talk about NIL, when you talk about the transfer portal, I think it'd be better off um, being a bit more professional uh, in terms of employer employee relationships. And I think you could do some things that um, could make those. When you think of accountability, it kind of falls on both ends and even if you're able to set some things up that you're under contract. And then there's, there might be some repercussions if you try to break that contract, if you transfer. And there could be some – that would allow for, I think, um, just some things to be a little bit more above ground and uh, more transparent and 
keep both sides of the student athlete or maybe their athlete students, I don't know, and the universities, the coaches. Um, so that's kind of where I think it's going. I, I think that's inevitable. And I think, you know, it's not what we used to see in college athletics, but I don't think it's all bad. And I think, um, you know, I, I think there could be some solutions or at least some better solutions if that was the model. That's my take. What's your concern about diminished loyalty by players toward their school? <laughs> uh, that's, that's a great question. I think, um, look, people, you know, I saw someone tweet and they, they said, uh, if you're concerned about the number of student athletes transferring this offseason, you'd be, you know, flabbergasted at the number of non-student athletes that are set to transfer this spring and summer. So, you know, it's different. There's no doubt. And, and you you commit to a program, you're part of a program. Uh, I don't think it's good, Lauren. I really don't. Um, I think there's a lot to be said about, uh, you know, committing to something and sticking through it and, and all these things. Um, but at the same time, you know, you're dealing with, 16, 17, 18-year-old kids, young, young people that are making big, big decisions, and there's so much attention, there's so much hype, there's so much catering to these young people, and then they actually get a taste of it, and they, you know, they, they you know, and, and, and another situation might be better for them. You know, the, the, every transfer isn't a bad deal. Sometimes it's the best thing for that individual, for that school. So there's, I don't think there's one clean, right way to do this. Um, I just don't think there is, but I, I think there are a lot of uh, values and traits when we think of persevering, when we think of loyalty, when we think of commitment, when we think of that, you know, are very good or honorable things. And it doesn't seem like all this is is going in the right direction. So um, I'm probably all over the board in, in what I'm what I'm saying to you, but I, I I do I think there's there's a lot of good in it, but there's also there's also a backside that's that's not good, and I think the biggest thing is when you think about beyond loyalty, beyond the school pride, beyond what's you know beyond all that, those things which are great about college athletics is the most important. What's college all about? It's about a, developing a young person, getting an education, you know, having these experiences and then becoming someone that can go be a productive part of the society the, of our society, and in the things that we we're doing now, are they making that harder to do? Because we're um, building a system that just fosters entitlement and fosters um, all these things that aren't healthy for a young person. So that would be my bigger concern: are these are we doing things that are really catering to the development? Uh, the individual, um, I think, is the most important thing beyond even the school loyalty in that, if that makes sense. Some interesting thoughts and interesting questions you bring up, Trent. We appreciate your time, as always. Yeah. Tell, tell <laughs> hey, your dad I'm sorry I put his son on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's, it's all good, guys. There's there's no one right answer in my mind. There's a lot of good, there, but there's also there's a backside. So it's going to be interesting. Um, I think college athletics is still, you know, it's, it's in a good place. And I think our university, I'll say, with Josh Whitman leading it, is in great hands with his leadership. So um, it's going to be it's going to be fun and interesting to, to follow along. Plus, it gives us something hey, to talk about, right? <laughs> That's right. Oh, yeah. Hey, hey, here's the thing. Media, 
this is free agency. It makes it this is this is year round now for college basketball, college athletics. It's, yep. it's not all bad for us either. Yeah, that's why some coaches are quitting too. <laughs> it's <laughs> hey, just twelve I, months I of solid. <laughs> yes. Thanks, yes. Trent. All right, guys. Yeah, Take appreciate care. your time. It is nine fifty one. A break. Back with more. Phone lines are open. Two one seven three five six nine three nine seven. That was Trent Meacham and Laura and I will be back after this. Nine fifty three. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. A reminder, the Game Day Spirit Stadium Sale is going on right now. More about that uh, coming up here in just a minute. Going on until 2 o'clock on, uh, the West Grade, in the West Grade Hall at Memorial Stadium. All kinds of great deals. The annual Game Day Spirit Stadium Sale. Phone line is open, as I mentioned. Let's go to the phones and say good morning to John in Champaign. Hey, John. Uh, good morning, men. Sounds like you have plenty, plenty going for you today. Well, uh, we're trying. I have a... I have a question uh, about basketball and, uh, well, really kind of a statement, a question, and then I have uh, uh, one uh, quick question on football. But on on uh, basketball, I'm happy for Kofi, and I know it's going to cost us 10 games next year probably, possibly, by not having him. But I, I really want to get to the, and you were talking about it some this morning, and I've been talking about it this you got to have something in between a three and a slam dunk with three guys hanging on you. And I wonder if the new, I think that's who you were talking about when I turned it on, is the replacement center for him mm-hmm. uh, for Kofi this year. Dane Danger. you were talking about? Yes. Okay, okay. Does he, have, have either one of you seen him play yet? No. Okay. I ha- I haven't either. I I just hope that he has the ability to uh, to pull the opposing center out to somewhere in that free throw circle. Well, I th- I think uh, he's a, I think he's a 15 foot shooter. I think he is, and I think he's a better passer than Kofi. And I think his footwork is, uh, from what the guys say, foot, his footwork is good. I, I think there's some high side to him. Is he Kofi? No, he's not going to be as dominant uh, underneath as Kofi. But who is? But I, I keep bringing up well, the mid-range yeah, right. game because I watch it in the NBA, and it's just, yeah. it's just prolific in that league where guys can get in that free-throw area or the 17-foot range and hit that jumper. And I think when you get guards like we have coming in, like Illinois has coming in, that the, if you can break down your opponent, and, and you don't want to go all the way to the basket necessarily because you can get a, a layup block, but if you can pull up from 15 feet, I think you'll see some of that. And I think you'll see an upgrade of the mid-range game, which we did not have with Fraser and uh, and unfortunately Plummer. Plummer was either a he, – he did get a few drives uh, during portions of the season, but mostly he was a three-point shooter. Uh, right, right. That's that's exactly what – well, nobody – I can't be happy about losing Kofi, but I am ready to move to that stage where we could, we could get 25 games a year maybe out of Kofi, but you can't get – you can't reach that very top because there's teams you bump into – that make you look bad because they take advantage of we view to shoot trees. Well, well, let's, let's, let's two and a half Kofi under there, you know, <laughs> but, uh, I, I, like I say, I, I've been so tickled with him and I, and I've always been a fan and I think he's just, a I, I, I watch him grinning and he's going down the floor, even in tough days. Yep. And I think, boy, boy, what a character he is, you know, what a man of character he is, but I'm, I'm ready to try this. Uh, well, who was the guy from uh, 
uh, southern Illinois by by uh, south of Edwardsville there that we lived off of his pullback uh, uh, step back twos, you know, around that free throw circle. He he played here five years ago or ten years ago. He <laughs> we, had, <laughs> we had we well, had uh, well, it's probably but when I picked up the phone, I probably had his name on my tongue, but not now. <laughs> the question on football is I. I enjoyed the game the other night, and I was impressed. I, but I'm I'm not smart enough to figure out were we was our offense that much better, or was the defense just not up to? I know Both. We were playing the second string. Yeah. That's that's the question of every spring game or yes, every uh, intra squad scrimmage. Yes, sir. You you just don't know. Uh, well, we we do I know that it. our depth isn't what it should be because. Right. Our first, our first team offense is a lot better than particularly the secondary of the second team unit. Okay, yeah. Well, I, I just was, I was impressed the way the quarterback uh, was so decisive in, in what he was going to do. He, he didn't drop back, drop back, drop back. He dropped back a step or so, and if he didn't like what was going, he did something about it. And I, I loved the way he threw those passes, but. I've always been saying I want to see passes. You can't get them all day long because they'll defend them. But where you're not just throwing over the defender's head and over the receiver's head and he runs underneath it, I'd like to see it where he gets a side angle and and all of a sudden the receiver is six or eight feet behind him or off to the side. Right. And I thought I saw I thought I saw. Uh, Last night, the people doing that, but here again, was it just too easy? So, yep, I'll let you go. Thank you, John. Appreciate those uh, questions and comments, and thanks for listening. Let's go to uh, Uh Bill down in Edwardsville. Good morning, Bill. Good morning, gentlemen. My thoughts on Kofi are the reason people are upset that he did not come back for another year is because he's going to play 25 games. If he came back, he'd play 25 games next year against teams that cannot physically defend him, um, which means that if he comes back for another year, he is not going to get any better because he doesn't play against enough games against people who are adequate competition, nor does he have adequate competition in practice. So from a basketball growth standpoint, he probably should have gone a year or even earlier than he did. Um, secondly, last time I called in, uh, Lauren, uh, we had a discussion about freshmen playing on good college basketball teams that advanced in the tournament or are likely to advance in the tournament. And you said those freshmen would be uh, NBA types. I was so silly, I didn't mention that last year's Illinois team had a starter and a six-man freshman. Neither one were NBA one-and-done types, or even two-and-done types. Uh, of course. I mean, there, there's all kinds of different freshmen. There's, <laughs> right, but that was my point was that freshmen, freshmen play that aren't just one-and-done NBA types. You mean one? You mean one in the entire history of the world, or do you mean it's normal? I mean, there's a big difference there, you know. Of course, if no, I mean it's. it's, it's if I bring up something normal. and you cite the one example that's different, I mean that doesn't prove anything. No, it's. That's it's, all I'm saying. I mean, normal. I'm not saying who's. You know, I'm just saying that as soon as if I say something in general, and then you say, "Well, I know a specific thing is different from that," what does that prove? Um. My my point was that freshman was that freshman play. Of course, um, not just one and not just one, not just of one course. Of course, on teams, on of course teams they do. 
that's and your point was different. No, my point was generalizing. Okay, I don't want to argue about it. I just I was I was making fun <laughs> of my failure to bring up the obvious example that was. Well, right of course, you can find examples of everything. I, I like I said I wasn't called I wasn't called to argue. I was, I was okay. I'm not I'm not here to argue. I'm just making a point that that, that you, you can make examples of everything. You could cite examples that are different from whatever I might say in in general because I'm talking in general. Bill, let me give you some advice. <laughs> Lord and I have agreed to disagree for more than 40 years, and we're getting along just fine. So sometimes you got to do that. I, I, I stole this on Saturday, so. <laughs> we appreciate it. Hey, Bill, thanks a lot. We appreciate the call. It is a 1001 WDWS Champaign Urbana. Coming up in the second hour, some more basketball talk. Kedrick Prince will join us and uh, talk about Kofi and uh, post Kofi, so to speak. You know, People talking about Kofi being tired of going to school. What he's really tired of probably is three guys hanging over, oh, <laughs> over him all the time. Should have brought that up. Really? I mean, that, that's. But do you think that's going to be any different anywhere else? I mean, they're going to be bumping and grinding. Well, everywhere. they're going to be bumping and grinding, but maybe you, you'll get a, more of a one-on-one match. It won't match. be double teaming. Yes, you'll get a one-on-one matchup with somebody your own size. That's but right. Take your chances with that, but you, yeah. you you put three guys on you. That's tough. the only problem with the G League is. How many guys are, are out there interested in passing the ball to the center and think that's going to help them get to the NBA? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> a, Not many. That's going to be a me game there. You bet. 10.02, we'll take a break and be back with our number two of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. My name is Denise Martin. I'm a diehard Illini fan and admittedly love the Cubs. When it comes to financial planning, most financial companies ask, what's your salary? At Kirby Wealth Management Group, we ask, what's your story? We know building the right financial plan means looking at more than money. That's why we start by asking the right questions, listening to what matters most to you, then guiding you every step of the way to help you live the life you want now and years from now. Call us today at 217-355-9390. It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Welcome back to the program, everybody. We're here until 11 o'clock. Lively uh, first hour. Thanks to our guests in that uh, first hour. Tim McCarthy, former Illini football player. Of course, uh, the former Secret Service agent that took a bullet for President Reagan. He was in town for the uh, spring football game Thursday night. and They established a walk-on scholarship in his name. And we talked some more football with Jay Lehman and some Illinois basketball with Trent Meacham kicking off the uh, second hour with a headliner Hall of Famer Kendall Gill is with us. Good morning, Kendall. Hey, how you doing, Steve? How you doing, Laura? We're good. Good morning. We're doing better than the Bulls are this morning, right? Did the Bulls play last <laughs> night? <laughs> yeah, they, they kind of played last night, but, uh, you know, hopefully uh, we can get it together in uh, game four. I, I was totally not expecting them to come out the way that they did, but, uh, you know, unfortunately it happened. So, you know, the Bulls just have to regroup uh, for tomorrow's game. Yeah, it was a 30-point loss, 111-81 to last night. And coincidentally, uh, 
DeMar DeRozan scored 30 points less than he scored in the game before. So I don't know if you can tie yeah. those two together, but certainly that was a factor. Well, what, what they did is the Milwaukee Bucks made an adjustment to what DeMar had done in game two. They built a wall uh, and put it right where he likes to score. Um, and actually the Bulls, I felt, helped them out because what they did was they only played perimeter offense. They, they, they didn't establish anybody cutting to the lane. They didn't establish post play. They were just relegated to passing the ball around the three-point line and trying to have one of their players beat the Milwaukee Bucks one-on-one. And, you know, you can't do that, uh, especially against a, a team that has won an NBA championship, a team that has great defenders, a team that has the, the, the one-time defensive player of the year. It just doesn't work. So what Billy Donovan is going to have to do in tomorrow's game, he's going to have to change. I believe he's going to have to change the offense. He's going to have to establish Nikola Vucevic in the post and stop letting Nikola be out on the perimeter uh, because seven-foot guards don't really work in this league. Uh, you know, you have to establish yourself as a as a big man, you know, and I think that that's really where the Bulls have the advantage because they really don't have anybody that can guard Vucevic in the post. That's why I'm mystified why we aren't playing and, and, and at least getting some touches down there to make the Milwaukee Bucks offense or defense rather stay stay honest. Right now, uh, I, I believe that the Bulls have made the game easy for the Milwaukee Bucks. You, t- you described that very well by when you said they kind of built a wall around that 13 or 14-foot jumper that DeRozan likes to take there in the lane. Yeah, and, and, and if you build a wall, and it, it's easy to build a wall if you don't have your offensive guys cutting I give you one one instance in particular. Pat Williams, yesterday when his man, uh, who I believe was Bobby Portis, went to double team Giannis uh, uh, Antetokounmpo, uh, Pat Williams didn't cut and, and follow him so he could draw the defense. And what they, what the Bulls did was they passed the ball out on the perimeter and they were forced to take another outside contested shot. If you don't force the defense to react then the defense, it becomes so easy for the Milwaukee Bucks. Also, too, the Bulls need to play faster. They, they only had five fast break points last night. I think they're playing way too slow. In order to beat the Milwaukee Bucks, you got to speed those guys up. Well, they just got out of that game so early yesterday. Just I don't know what, you know, the second half was almost, to me, almost meaningless because it was a game that was already lost. Um, does, yeah. do, do you think that changes the way you, you go about things when you're that far behind? It does, but, you know, I think uh, the Atlanta Hawks were down last night by double-digit points. Well, they came that's back. That's true. Bulls. Yeah, the Bulls have done it as well this season. So what what surprised me, Lauren, is, is the way that they came out. You know, mm-hmm. the game one and game two, the Bulls came out and went out to a 9-0 lead in, in, in both games. And, you know, I thought because the excitement was so great here uh, at the United Center, you know, the, yep. the city was the city was excited because we had won game two. They're thinking now Chris Middleton is out for the Milwaukee Bucks. Now we have a chance to win this series. The game is on national TV, on ABC. So, you know, the, the city was on fire last night before the game. But then, you know, I don't think the, that the players were. You know, if, if that had been me, I'd have been really fired up to play and show off in front of my hometown uh, fans. And and also, when you got these guys on the on the ropes, you know, you 
try and knock them out. But I thought that the Bulls came out flat uh, last night. Hopefully that won't be the case tomorrow. Uh, any thoughts on uh, the way uh, DeSumo is being used in, in this particular uh, series? It looks like that he has much of a, a less involvement. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised by that, you know, but, you know, that can be attributed to Alex Caruso, mm-hmm. uh, his his championship experience. Uh, Alex played really well in game two. You know, I thought that Ayo would get a little bit more playing time than he has, but, you know, unfortunately for him, Billy Donovan relies more so on veterans in the playoffs than, than rookies. But, you know, if I'm Ayo, I just have to take advantage of the opportunities I'm given. You know, even though he was given – sort of garbage minutes last night if if he plays well in those minutes then I think that he'll get more of a look from Billy Donovan. What do you see about his uh, future with the Bulls next year with everybody back? Oh I think I think his future is great you know Uh, and you know if he plays well like I expect him to next year it's it's really going to be good for him because as you know as a second round pick he only signed a two-year contract, and his contract is going – he's going to get paid sooner rather than later, you know, which I think is, is great for him. You know, I think his, his future is bright. Being at six foot five and, and having all the intangibles that he has, I think him staying in school for, for two – for three years, rather, was great for him. Uh, you know, I, he, he's not a second-round pick. He should have been a first-round pick. Uh, but, you know, in today's game – they really draft a lot off of potential rather than the quality of a player. I think that I.O. surprised everyone. didn't surprise me, but it surprised a lot of people around the league about how well he adapted to the pro game. And, you know, I think his future is bright. I, here's the thing. I just hope we can keep him, you know, because he's going to be – if he has another year like he had this year, uh, his second year, he's going to be valuable and there's going to be all type of teams offering him – a big contract to come and play for their team. Talking to Kendall Gill. Let's talk. <clears throat> Excuse me. <coughs> Go ahead, Lord. Uh, Kendall. Uh, we were going to we were going to ask you about Kofi and what you thought about his decision and how you impacts Illinois. Well, it definitely impacts our program um, because you know he's probably the, if not the best, one of the best big men in college basketball. Uh, you know, he is a force in college basketball. Uh, now you have a big hole to fill, you know, an All-American that's, that, that's leaving and a, and a dominant force in the Big Ten. Uh, but if I were Kofi, you know, I would have stayed one more year. I still think that he needed to work on his, his skill set uh, as a big man in, in the NBA. Uh, there's, you know, the, the big man's game has changed in the NBA. You need a consistent 17 to 18 footer. You, you may even need to be able to step out to three point uh, land and, and knock down those threes. And, and, you know, I like Kofi's game, but I, I still think that he needs a lot of work skill wise. You know, uh, if, if, if you're going to work as, as, as the type of big man Kofi is, you better be Hakeem Olajuwon or, or Pat Ewing or, you know, a, a big man that has a lot of skills that can really do a lot of damage on the post. Hopefully he can get that. Hopefully he can work uh, with somebody uh, on that this offseason, and then he can acquire those skills. Let's go to the phones. Uh, Mark in Jacksonville, Florida, I think has a question about uh, Kofi. Go ahead, Mark. 
yes, I was going to make a comment. You know, we were talking about you guys were talking about uh, you know what he might be tired of, and you mentioned the uh, how he's always double and triple teamed, and I agree. But what the thing I noticed during the tournament that I thought would be better once we got out of the league play was that not only was he getting fouled, but they weren't calling a foul until he got fouled three or four times. And then they call that foul. Yeah, that's hard to play your game with that. It is, and that, that's tough. And uh, he he had guys hanging on him all well, season. Well, uh, Kendall, they won't be double teaming. Uh, won't be double teaming him in the pros, will they? No, they won't. They won't double team him because, you know, like I said, like I go, I go back, I go back to the skill set. You know, his skill set in the NBA won't command a double team. They'll be able to, to guard him basically with one guy uh, who's the same size, probably a little bit longer length, things like that. You know, that's why I believe that one-on-one, that's what he needs to work on. You know, his, his skill set, whether he can beat a guy in the pros when he gets the basketball in the post. Wait, can I say one more thing on that? Yeah. Sure. Um, Kofi, unfortunately, and a lot of the big men now are – uh, in an age of positionless basketball where the pro uh, centers play like guards, you know, they have guard skills, and he's in an age of positionless basketball, he is a position player. Center. Yeah. No, that's, so that's, that's true. And that's, yeah. yeah, no, that's true, and that's, and that's why I said he really has to work on his skill set to become a dominant post player. Hey, Mark, thanks for the call. We appreciate that. Talking to Kendall Gill, a couple of more minutes, if I can get this out. That's okay. <laughs> I want to ask you about the uh, 33rd edition of the Kendall Gill Cunningham Children's Home Golf Outing coming up on July the 11th. Can, can it be 33 years? Yeah, I mean, you know, I thought about that the other day. It's 33 years that we have, have done it. I didn't know that it would be possible to have a, a golf outing uh, for this long, but you know, thanks to the Cunningham Children's Home and the staff there, along with all the sponsors, we've been, we've been able to pull it off, and it's for a great cause. You know, I, I always look forward to coming down. One of my sons is, uh, my youngest son is, is now taking golfing seriously, so you know he's going to play with me for the first time. Uh, so he actually he can beat me. So <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I might let I might do drive do uh, drive the cart and let him play. There By the go. way, I remember playing with your brother one time. He was a good golfer. Yeah, my brother, my brother's a scratch golfer. So, oh uh, man, I'll hope, say. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, I can uh, invite him as well. You know, he moved down to Florida so he could play more often. So, hopefully okay. I can get him up uh, for the tournament. <laughs> that is July the 11th for the uh, Kendall Gill golf outing in Champaign. Let's go back to the phones. Jeff is listening in New York. He's got a question for Kendall about Kofi. Yeah. Uh, hi, guys. Uh, Kendall, I'm just kind of curious because uh, it seems like, uh, you know, we've said how the way that the NBA looks at big guys has evolved. And one of the things that puzzles me is I can remember, it seems like yesterday, that uh, they would draft somebody who had who had no college experience, a, a foreign guy, and uh, say, well, He's a great project. We'll invest a, a couple of years in him and make him a dominant NBA center. I believe they said that about possibly Yao Ming, if I remember. And more recently, the Knicks had uh, Chris Stapp's Porzingis, of whom that was said. Um, 
I don't follow the NBA particularly, so I couldn't tell you what Porzingis' numbers are right now since he's moved on from the Knicks. But um, I'm kind of puzzled why somebody would not want to take a chance like that on Kofi because I think he'd be a little more advanced than those guys. What do you think about that? Well, because when you're guarding players in the NBA, NBA now, you take, for example, Joel Embiid. Kofi, Joel Embiid can take you to the three-point line. Joel Embiid has moves like Kobe Bryant as far as dribbling the basketball. Joel Embiid can take you in the post. Uh, so he's a he, Joel Embiid can bring the basketball up off of the fast break. He can get the rebound and bring it full court and initiate offense. You saw Joel Embiid uh, the other night uh, hit a three-point shot to win the game against the Toronto uh, Raptors. These are the things that NBA centers do now. And the one thing, you know, I've talked, I talk to scouts all the time and everything. And I actually asked him about Kofi. And, you know, they say, well, he has to develop the skill set of a modern-day NBA player, and, this is, and they haven't seen that yet. That's not saying that he can't get it. I think that if he if he puts in the work, he he possibly can get those skills. But uh, that remains to be seen yet. That's that's going to be the apprehension of a NBA general manager. You know, can he get the skill set quick enough? And uh, that's the question. No 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 question about his physical talent. He has all of that. It's whether he can match the skill set of a Joel Embiid, of a Nikola Jokic, of a Porzingis, players like that. And they're not willing to uh, take a chance on it and invest some time in their own to help them develop it. Is that what you're saying? Well, they they, they will, but the problem some some of the problems is and some young players don't like to to go down to the minor leagues. That would be the G League where you develop your skill set. Um, but if Kofi is willing to do that, if he doesn't have the skill set, then you know, yeah, they'll take a chance on it. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. Thank Jeff, you. Okay. No Jeff, thanks for the call. We appreciate you listening in New York. Let's go to Naples, Florida, where Mike is on the line for Kendall Gill. Go ahead, Mike. What's up, Kendall? I just wanted to say hi. It's Mike from T-Shirt. How you doing, man? Hey, Mike. How are you? How are you? Good talking to you. I'm doing, I'm doing all right. I moved down here like your brother. I more than anything wanted to uh, say kind of the same thing you were going with Joel Embiid. Because that would be kind of the prototypical model for Kofi, but I'm not sure that Kofi will ever have the foot speed and you know just the moves that that kid has at his size. That's going to be, you know, I see the logic in you know going to the NBA where he can work on that. I mean, it'd be tough for Underwood to say, okay, it's all right, you can go out and shoot 17 foot jump shots. You know, that's that's not probably going to be good for the team. But I think you that you hit it right on the head, man. That's that is the key to what he's going to have to learn. Yeah, th- thank you. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's going to have to learn all those because no no NBA player or coach, rather, is going to put you out on the floor if you can't do those things. And if you can't uh, – and if you don't have those skills, you cannot compete with the centers in the NBA today. I mean, you look at you look at our center, Nikola, Nikola Vucevic. Last night or over this past three games in this playoff series, he's averaged nine three-point shots a game. Okay, I think that's yeah. way too much for for a center. I think he'd be more useful in the post, but that's where the NBA game is gone. Centers shoot three point shots. They shoot eighteen to six to fifteen foot jump shots. They take you in the post. They do all of those things, and that's 
the skill set that you must have if you're going to play in the NBA. Yeah, and that p- the pick and roll is going to be the deal, is you know, because he's going to have to guard a Trey Young or somebody like that coming off a pick and roll, and that I that that is foot speed. I mean, and I just I'm not, yeah. you know, maybe I hope I hope he can develop it. I really do, but it's it's going to take some development. More than anything, I just wanted to call to say hi. I can't believe it's been like 40 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you, thank you. Thanks, Mike, yeah, for the call. Take care. Take another call for Kendall Gill, then we'll let him go. Jim is with us. Go ahead, Jim. Hey, just a quick uh, question. So you're talking about Kofi and kind of the development of his game. I was looking at, if you remember, when Ethan Happ played at Wisconsin. You know, a a guy that I think there was like six college basketball players that he scored 2,000 points and had 1,200 rebounds. But I don't think he made a shot outside of the, you know, paint. And that, that, the question begs, could, could Kofi have developed his NBA game at Illinois? I mean, would Underwood, in the course of a season, allow him to take mid-range jumpers, 17-foot jumpers? No. <laughs> no, it wouldn't make sense. He can't make them. Yeah, so I mean, it, I, I'm of the agreement that he should have left a year ago if he wants to play in the pros and develop his game. Because he, he, I'd ask Kendall, could he develop his pro game at Illinois, would Underwood allow him to, to do that for his personal development? And I just say there's no way. I mean, that's just the way – that's the truth of the, the matter. It's just like what happened at Wisconsin. With those numbers, would would guard have let him develop the mid-range jumper game? I mean, that's a dude that scored 2,000 points and had 1,200 rebounds in a, in a college game. So I'm just curious to see what Kendall has to say about that. Yeah, well, yeah, I appreciate the comment. But, you know, I'm, I'm of belief that if a player wants to do something, he'll do it. You know, he'll train himself to do it, whether that takes being in the gym uh, when you're not in class 24-7, you know, developing your jump shot, developing your post game, then you'll do it. I mean, if you really want to. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't believe that the, the coach, so to speak, really has any uh, bearing on whether a player develops his personal game or not. I mean, if Kofi could shoot 17 to 18 feet, then I think Underwood would have let him do it. You know, if he could shoot three-point shots, I think that Underwood would let him do it, you know. So I think that really the onus is on the individual player himself to develop his skill set. You look at Kobe Bryant, how Kobe uh, went into the gym four times a day, two hours at a time to develop his skill set. And, you know, I can tell you from playing against Kobe his rookie year to his second or third year, he had – developed immensely because he had put the work in and nobody had to tell him to do it you know so that's that's just where i i what i think about players and their development if you really want to become something you'll do it kendall you've been very gracious with your time but i got one more question you mentioned your son phoenix and he was in town for the state tournament that was back at the state farm center with saint ignatius high school i want to get your thoughts on on that experience for him and the tournament being back in Champaign? Well, first, the, the tournament being back in Champaign, I think, was the best thing Illinois high school basketball could possibly do. I think it's it's great for our recruiting. You guys remember back when the tournament was on WGN and, you know, Nick Anderson, Marcus Liberty, myself, Steve Bartle, Larry Smith, Kenny Battle, Lowell Hamilton, all, all the way down the line. You know, uh, go all the way way back to even Bruce Douglas. When I watched Bruce 
uh, Douglas playing the state championship at Illinois, and I saw the assembly hall. I wanted to play in that building. So I think that having a tournament back in Champaign does so much for our recruiting because all the young players that see the tournament in high school, in high school, they aspire to get downstate to play in a tournament and also to play at U of I. Now, uh, my, my son's experience was, was great. I mean, his, he's a freshman. You know, he, he didn't get a chance to get into the game and everything, but, you know, he, he had a wonderful experience there. He got to, he got to experience what the uh, State Farm Center or the Assembly Hall. I, I can't stop calling it the Assembly Hall, guys. I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> you, you know, uh, how he got the experience being on the floor and everything. I mean, he had a great year. He, he led the JV team in scoring at 18 a game, you know, got some uh, – some time on the varsity as well. So he's looking to take the next step. And, you know, I'm, I'm proud of what he's doing. Uh, you know, he's 6'2", you know, got all the, all the skill sets. And, you know, I was 5'6 as a freshman. I was like, man, where did you get that height from, your mom? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. And, and, and he wants to go to Illinois, actually. So, you know, we'll, hopefully that will work out for him. Well, when you have a recruiting scoop, give it to us. <laughs> Yeah, I will. <laughs> Thanks, Kendall. We appreciate your time. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Kendall. Kendall Gill with us from uh, Chicago at 1027. We'll take a break and be back with more of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. 1032 is the time. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Moving along until 11 o'clock. The phone line is open, 217-356-9397. Batting cleanup on the guest list this week from the Quad City Times is Kedrick Prince. Good morning, Ked. How are you? Good morning, gentlemen. I'll tell you what, I got a tough crew to follow today, I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, you can do it. We, we know you'll tell us more about recruiting than anybody else can. What do you know these days? It's, it's, a, it's great. It's fun. I don't know how people can enjoy this. It's just, it's, it, never, it never stops. And in Illinois, it's, you know, it's, Always exciting. This kid, that kid's coming. This kid's not. I just enjoy. It. I don't know how people can not like this. It's great. Well, it's it's a little bit of a, you know, a free agency that makes everybody nervous. I guess you'd say. But uh, who can can you tell us who uh, Illinois is looking at right now in the in that free agency market? Well, the one guy I tried talking to this week was Randy Basic, a kid from North Carolina who's a 6'9 kid. I like him. I know they've talked to him amongst a, a, a lot of schools. You know, I will give Illinois credit. The guys that they're going after, they're not just going after mid-major guys. They're going after guys with different makers. Bates, the kid I really like about him is because he can, he's a rim protector, and he's very, very athletic. He didn't play last year because he was injured. But I really like his game. I, I It's really obvious. Everybody knows that they're going to have to try to find something in the middle to help with Kofi. Um, Coleman Hawkins and Dane Danger, they're good forwards, but they're not great fives. And so you're going to have to have somebody in the middle. That's not a secret because they're going after that. They're still looking at wings and guards and another guard. I think they're looking at – they want a proven guy in the backcourt. You know, not, I know they trust the guys that they have, but they're still freshmen, and I know they're young. But then and also that wing, which there's been so many guys from David Jones who was at DePaul and – you know, I know a lot of people have kind of given up on Terrence Shannon. There's a small percent from Texas Tech, but they're not done. I, I will say this. 
I know in a couple of weeks they feel pretty confident that there's some guys that's going to be in their portal that they have a, a good shot at. They're not leaking that out yet, though. Well, I'm going to say this. May May 1st, it'll all be over as far as getting in. If you're going to get in the portal, you got to get in by May 1st, right? Yes, that is a, you know that, that is a deadline date, and I know there. Uh, I know there's some you know there's a shot that a lot of kids who are still thinking about coming out, um, and there and there's so many rumors, and some guys are you know thinking about testing the NBA, but you're right. I mean that's you know that deadline's coming, and that, that's pretty much gone too, which is why Kofi did what he did. So there are some guys that I think that have expressed interest in playing at the University of Illinois because of the recent success that they've had. You know, Brad has built a program where now it is a very attractive program and you don't have to go out and try to talk to people and sell it. They can look and see the success, which is why they've had great success with high school recruits and in this portal. And I'm going to tell you, there's guys in college that are not in the portal, but I know they've contacted out. I know there's some interest in the University of Illinois. Yeah, I've heard the same thing. Uh, What do you hear about Verdunk? Do you think he'll stick around another year? You know, the thing with him, I was kind of surprised about the thing with, with Benjamin. Benjamin is a, what you guys know. He's an extremely, extremely intelligent kid. And I know he wants to get a degree from the University of Illinois. Um, not that he can't get a degree from another prestigious university. I just think, you know, there's a couple of kids that I think scholarship-wise, you know, I hate to see any kid lose a scholarship, and I truly mean it. I'm not just saying that. But there's other places where kid could, kids could go that, you know, from a basketball standpoint, Illinois may have to lose another kid before it's all said and done to get that guard, that wing, and that big man. So, but I know Benjamin likes to be there because he would have left a long time ago. He likes the school, and he wants that degree from there. I've, I've even asked him that myself, and I've heard other people say that. So, I don't know if he'll be the guy. If they have to say, hey, you know, let's look so, somewhere else. That may be Brandon Lee, but I'm not for sure. Okay, uh, I'd say about five months ago or so when uh, Ty Rogers uh, committed to Illinois and and everybody's talking about him being a surefire starter, um, I think some of that has uh, waned because of uh, the questions about his long-range shooting ability. What do you? What's your view of Rogers and how he fits? Well, the thing, I mean, I, I will tell you guys this. That's a great question. He is not a great three-point shooter. Is he capable, and can he do it? Yes, he can. But he's not going to knock down the Clippers three-point shooters the way Plummer did or the way uh, possibly Audrey Melendez can do. I think they know he can shoot it, but that's why they didn't want him to pick another guard who was a liability shooting. So because he's he, – I think personally, if they don't get another wing, and I don't – you know, I think they're going to – he may be penciled in just because of all the other things that he can do. Mm-hmm. I think him being able to get to the rim, and he can shoot a 15-foot jump shot, 10-foot jump shot, and this is no knock against DeMonte. He didn't do that last year. Mm-hmm. The year before, you know, he was great. So it's not that teams are going to be able to sag off because now Kofi's not there, and he's able to create. And I know people use that word a lot, but that's really important. You look at the roster, and I've said it a million times, this basketball roster, Brad Underwood's putting together right now, they're athletes. They're guys that can get shots and the guards that can get to the rim and lob dunks and, and block shots. and They can all defend. And Ty is that guy. And he can also, and Brad said the other day, he may see some time at the point guard spot because he's such a great passer. Well, I, I, I think that his passing will be a huge factor. His defense and rebounding are also uh, A+. a plus. 
but I just don't know about his uh, his scoring and his shooting. And I think that's, you, you know, we saw what happens when they they pulled off of uh, uh, Coleman Hawkins this year and yeah. backed off yep, of him. Sir. And, and you got to be when they when they're not guarding you, you got to be able to make the shot. I mean, that's all there is to it. If, because if you don't, then they won't guard you. And and that's at that level, you're exactly right. Coaches are they're smart, and when they lost to Houston, I mean, they did that. They didn't guard Andre Cabello, and they didn't guard Kofi. They not Kofi, excuse me, Coleman. They wanted those two guys to make some shots before they guard them, which is why Luke Diddy and RJ Melendez gave them a different look because they were dangerous and men, and they weren't really on the scouting report. I mean, let's be honest, you know, because they weren't. And I don't think, uh, I don't think. Rodgers is that bad of a shooter. I think he's not great, but is he, is he capable of making shots? Yes, he is. Is he able to keep a defense honest? I sure do think so. And also, and, and if you don't, he, he can make that mid-range game. And the other thing, Lauren, I remember this, I don't know, so many years ago, you were on the show, and you were, and, and I agree with you. So many people were so critical of Iowa's jump shot. Remember what it was like in high school? We watched him play in a state tournament. And then look how he developed and he put the time in and worked. Mm-hmm. I can see that same thing happening. I'm not saying it's going to. That same thing can happen with with, with Ty Rogers. The kid has great work ethic, and he is again he's a top 60 basketball recruit for a reason. So I, I have all the confidence in the world that he'll be able to make that adjustment. Talking to Kedrick Prince, we haven't talked to you since Sky Clark signed. With Ilana, your thoughts of him? I put a video on my Twitter page, and it was pre-injury for before Sky Clark committed. I just think people really—they're going to be surprised. I look back and I went through the rosters of Illinois from 2005 to years ago. I just don't know. Even as good as Darren Williams was, who arguably had the most successful career of any Illinois basketball player in the last 40 years. This kid can do some amazing things with a basketball. And the thing, but the difference between him and Darren to me, he's a much, much better shooter, and he is way more athletic than Darren Williams was at this stage in his career. I just think if this guy, if Flesh can do his job and work his magic, I would be very surprised if this kid's not one and done. But a lot of things have to go right for him for that to happen. You know, there's a lot of great freshmen coming in, into the Big Ten in Indiana and um, Ohio State have a lot of good freshmen. If you get the recognition, and, and people know who Sky is coming out of high school, that you know he at one point in time he was one of the top ten players in the country before his injury. They really Illinois is getting a dynamic guard that can really shoot the ball. And he's so strong, and he's not a fancy passer, but he's a great passer. And I know the fans like watching Cabello do that. You're going to be surprised because he's a five-star guard for a reason. And there, whether you like stars or not, there's a reason that these kids are – there's a difference between a three-star and a five-star. This kid has a total package, scored all three levels. He That was a huge gift at Illinois. I, I agree with you. It's a huge get. But I will also remind you that Harper couldn't shoot when he was a freshman and Kendall Gill couldn't do anything when he was a freshman. And, and uh, Darren Williams averaged um, single figures as a freshman, couldn't make free throws. And – and I could go on and on and on about I, freshmen, I and and and, and, it, and of course in in my era, freshmen weren't even eligible to play, and, and there was a reason because they weren't good enough most of the time. But uh, in any case, I, I I I'm anxious to see Sky Clark, but I hope the load isn't too heavy, and I I know there's a reason why uh, why Underwood is at least thinking seriously about bringing in a veteran guard if he can find the right guy. 
I'm not sure who the right guy is. Do you, do you have any opinions on that? Well, yes, that's a great question. I know one guard that uh, Courtney Ramey, when, when he mm-hmm. was in high school, it was between Illinois and, and Texas, mm-hmm. and he picked Texas. And then his list of schools came out, and it had like 20, kids, 20 schools on it. Illinois, you know, was on that list. But then I heard just in the last few days, it's really picked up a lot because um, Courtney wants to be in the NBA, like all kids. I mean, you know, we can't kid ourselves. We know that's their dream. But he wants to play at the next level. And he or his people kind of thought, hey, I want the ball 30, 35 minutes a game. That's not happening. So now with my understanding, what they've done is in Brad's system, you can succeed with the ball in your hands and without it. I, you know, example, Iowa Sumo. You know, Iowa went from playing the point guard, then they gave the ball to Trent because Trent was Iowa was able to show what he could do, with, you know, off the ball. What, what Illinois has done, and I'm not saying it's because I cover Illinois, Iowa Sumo is a huge asset for guards because he was the best one-on-one uh, pick-and-roll guy in the Big Ten, and he's done a tremendous job at the NBA level. You know, and Billy Donovan has talked about that. That's a huge selling point to other guards, and that's what they sold Scott Clark on. Now they're trying to sell that same thing or that same dream to Courtney Ramey. You can play at this level. I can get you at this level. You don't have to have the ball in your hands because, let's face it, you don't bring a five-star guard in or a four-star guard like Jay Nets and not play those kids. Those kids are going to be on the floor too. So selling Courtney, that veteran guard from Texas, that you can play with the ball and without it, I, they may have a good shot with him. Yeah, I, I understand they do have a good shot with him, and and but I, I having seen him play quite a bit, both in high school and in at Texas, I kind of followed him. Um, he's not a point. I mean, he's a secondary guard essentially, in, in my view. Uh, but he would he would be, of course. When you go back to Desumi, you mentioned uh, Fraser. You know, uh, Curbelo played twenty minutes a game when when Iowa was a junior. And Corbella was a yeah. point guard when he was in there, so there was a lot of time. I mean, if, not that not that Io didn't have some opportunities at point, but you know, between Trent and uh, and Corbello, those were point guards on the floor a lot. Yes, they were, and, and I thought the offense changed. And I thought personally, I thought Trent Frazier, you know, relished when the ball was in his hands. I think he's a much better player than playing, you know, without I think he was able to shoot off the bounce a little bit differently. But their selling point with some of these kids, like I said, especially with guards, is easy, which is why you got his brother Zizi. You know, when I interviewed that kid, the, the I mean, and, and everybody else, the, the first per, per, person he talked about was Io. I like what Illinois did with him. And it, it is. And he, even with the big guys, you know, Illinois is going to look a lot different next year, you know, without Kofi. And I think they have proven, though, that, they have they can you know take a top 40 50 basketball recruit and turn him into an all-american a two, a two-time all-american so i mean they have put themselves in a good situation to where i think they're not going to struggle i think they'll be surprised when this portal ends and who they get i think people will be very surprised i do you know there's names out there that we're not supposed to quote unquote talk about but i know there's some serious interest and you can tell they're not panicking the coaches seem pretty confident. And how about the job of, of Chester Fraser and Jeff and, and Tim Anderson? Yeah. You know, everybody was worried about Orlando leaving. They didn't miss a beat. I mean, I, they've they've done a tremendous job. And I'll tell you what, I, I don't hate to be John Whitman right now because those guys can be asking for raises pretty soon. Mm-hmm. We talked about uh, 
Clark and Rogers. Tell us about the other two guys in that class, Epps and Harris. You know, the thing with, with uh, Cynthia Harris and, you know, if you ask Coach Frazier, he'll tell you, he is probably the most athletic guy in the entire group. A lot of people don't talk about him because of his, his frame. He's really thin, and, you know, he is a freak athlete. You know, he really is. Um, he can shoot it okay. You know who I, I don't like to compare, but if I had to compare him, Lauren, you hit it on the head with Kendall Gill. I see a guy that was long, 6'4", you know, grew into his body and then became a bit all, you know, a future all Big Ten basketball player. That's what I see with him. Um, I had a chance to talk to uh, Jay Neff this week, and, you know, one of the things he talked to me about, I heard rumors and I, I wanted to him to confirm it. There was a very good chance he was going to be on the roster last year. They tried getting him in late last year uh, because um, um, uh, Cavello was hurt. So, I mean, and his game is downhill. He's attacked. You know, he is, I think he's been, been the number one player out of, out of North Carolina. Uh, he can score. I think people just think he can only score, but he talked about his defense and his passing ability. Uh, Colin Boswell was a kid that Illinois was recruiting, and I talked to his dad. And, you know, Brandon Boswell told me out of all the kids that's in the top 100, he thought Jay Neps was the most underrated kid because they played against him, and their coaches, you could hear them talking about in the huddle. They was throwing all kind of different – gimmicks at him to stop Jay Nepp. So this is a kid who kind of, I think, from a raking standpoint, I think Illinois found a gem at him. So those two kids are going to be nice to have, um, but they're all freshmen, like Lauren said, which is why I think they're looking for another a veteran guard. Kevin, we appreciate your time. Thanks for taking time with us. Thanks as always, guys. Take care. Appreciate it. Yep. That's Kedrick Prince from the Quad Cities Times at 1048. We'll take a break and be back with more on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We've got 10 minutes left on the show. Phone line is open, 217-356-9397. Congratulations to this week's Game Day Spirit $50 gift card winner. It is Charles Mockby. Charles Mockby is the winner. You'll hear from uh, the folks at Game Day Spirit in the uh, days ahead. Tell you how to go about uh, picking up that $50 gift card. Speaking of Game Day Spirit, you've still got time to get to their stadium sale going on now over at Memorial Stadium in the Great West Hall <clears throat> until 2 o'clock this afternoon. They've got uh, short sleeve t shirts for $10 or three for $24. They've got the long sleeve tees as low as $12. Crew neck sweatshirts, $24. Hooded sweatshirts for $29. And they've got discounted gear from Nike, Champion, and Retro Brand, and more, right out of the uh, U of I equipment room. Trying to so, clear them out, huh, Steve? Yeah, you can get some good deals over there in uh, uh, licensed Fighting Illini material. So uh, that's going on until 2 o'clock this afternoon, the Game Day Spirit Stadium Sale. Congratulations to Charles Mockby. Let's go to the phones and uh, say hello to Marty. Down in uh, Hilton Head. Go ahead, Marty. What's going on? Hey, uh, never know. Great show. Thank you. Great people. I, I love Kevin Prince listening to him and Kendall Gill. Uh, interesting observation from Kendall Gill to that question. If you want to be able to shoot from this distance, work on it and prove to the coach you can make it. Absolutely. I had a rule when I was coaching high school ball that uh, 
if you can make a shot seven out of ten times, open shot in practice when you're doing drills, then that's a shot you can take in the game. And if you can't make it seven out of ten, you don't take that shot unless it's last second and it's got to go up. So, you know, that's a, that's a good lesson for a lot of kids to listen to. It's not always the coach. You, you determine what happens. Uh, by the way, um, they'll be fine next year because uh, that Kedrick made the great point that they've now shown they can get guys in the NBA. They can make them all Americans. He'll find people. I, I, any coach that can replace his entire staff and come out with a great recruiting class, uh, I wouldn't worry too much about what he can do. I'd say that. Now, Lauren, yep. the, the pitching staff <laughs> the Cardinals is doing a little better this week, although how Hudson does may determine that, but Matz is, is straightened out. I don't like Wainwright in Cincinnati. He's had some bad games there, but, you know, on the road, not too bad. So hang in there. I think they'll be okay. Well, I think they'll be okay. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> is okay good enough? I mean, <laughs> it, if it gets you in the playoffs, it's good enough. Okay. And then it's a, a crapshoot. I think I think they'll make the playoffs. I think they've got a good chance to do that. But yeah. beyond that, I don't think that they they, they, they scare anybody. They don't have a dominant number one guy that can blow you away. Well, Flaherty might come yeah. back. You never know. Yeah, he might, and, and I hope he does, but. I, I worry when people start having shoulder injuries and yep. other injuries Elbow. like that because it never gets better. doesn't seem to anyway. But uh, we'll see what happens. I know you got another caller coming, Steve. So, hey, in football, aren't those spring games always great, guys? We always <laughs> good. Always win. Always win. <clears throat> At least we had a good night weather-wise. Number one team always seems to be better than the number two team. I don't know why <laughs> it that certainly does. does. Don't need to play that game, do you? Thanks, Marty. No. Appreciate it. Take care. Let's go to Bob in Urbana. Hey, Bob, good morning. Morning. Thank you. Take, thanks for taking my call. Uh, I think with the NBA, uh, the thing I've watched in this, the beginning of the playoff series, if you can play defense and then make your shots and play really up to speed uh, at the defensive end, you can have a chance to go on to the next level to play the next game. Uh, the Celtics were really they, – they took the Nets out of their game – uh, this last week, and I was so impressed with their defense. It reminded me of what we were playing, uh, our defense, when we're really on here here at the U of I. Okay, let's see, I if the, think, let's see if they can do that again. I, if, if they can do it again, then I'll believe it. Yeah, they you're certainly right. Did. You're right. They, they have to do it more than once, and you have to be able to uh, – but, but just like uh, they did with the Bulls, if if another team comes in and stops the point, the person that was making 41 points a game, or, or DeRozan was making that much, they put a stop on him. So it means the coach decided, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to put up a wall, like like they were saying, and make the other team have to beat us somewhere else. That's the strategy of the pro game, and the pro games are doing it where the money counts. And they put if you put it into defense, and you have guys on the floor that can play defense, then you're going to have a chance to win in the NBA. So I'm looking forward to this. It's getting more exciting all the time here as we go towards the end of the NBA season, just like we did with the uh, uh, NCAA season. So thanks for taking my call. Okay, Bob, thank you. And you know what? The most astounding thing, Steve, is there's there's so many really big, tall, strong, mature, athletic guys who can play defense and offense. I mean, this isn't a case of, well, we got a guy who can play on one. No, you've got to play both ends, and they can and they do. This is 
I mean, no, I don't think anybody ever imagined that the, that the quality of NBA play would reach the level that it is right now. It's scary good. Need to take one final break. We'll do that and be back with some final words after this. Stay with us. The Pella Window Showroom in Champaign specializes in windows and doors. Illini Pella can help you select the right window and door for your project, whether it's for replacements, remodeling, or new construction. Right now, they ask that you plan further ahead to allow more time to get your windows and doors in stock. Labor and material shortages are causing some extended lead times. Illini Pella, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. PellaofChampaign.com a text earlier in the show, somebody must have been thinking back when they woke <laughs> up this morning about uh, the time when uh, Lou Henson was hired as basketball coach. A lot of folks thought, including the newspaper, right, that uh, one of the newspapers, yeah. that uh, Don DeVoe was going to be the coach. What do you remember about that? Well, Don DeVoe was in town. Lou Henson was in town. Lou came from Oklahoma. Had he taken the Oklahoma job, uh, DeVoe would have been the Illinois coach. Uh, however, Coleman had to choose between DeVoe and Henson, and Cecil Coleman had been athletic director at Wichita State, and Lou was the athletic director at New Mexico State. They met repeatedly for uh, conference meetings, and uh, Coleman knew Lou and had known him for a long time and trusted him and chose him. There's the rest of the story. Thank you, sir. That's going to take care of the show. Appreciate you listening. Thanks to Dave Leak, our producer. For Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly. Have a good weekend, everybody.